So let's be stronger together, my fellow Americans. Let's look to the future with courage and confidence. Thank you, and may God bless you and the United States of America. So the circus came to town as the Democratic National Convention's wagon rolled into Philly, all fanfare and I'm with her chants. It was hard not to get swept up in the excitement. But this 2016 presidential race has been brimming over with anger too. Lion Ted, I call him Lion Ted. He holds up the Bible and then he puts it down and he lies, okay, Lion Ted. And of course, we have Crooked Hillary, Crooked Hillary, fuck. I don't respond to Donald Trump and his string of insults. He goes after women, he goes after Muslims, he goes after immigrants, he goes after people with disabilities. We must not be afraid to define our enemy. Islamic extremist terrorism. But maybe the American people might wonder about your qualifications, Madam Secretary, when you voted for the war in Iraq, the most disastrous foreign policy blunder the bullying, the greed, the showing off. I'm really rich. The misogyny, the absurd third grade theatrics. Count to 10, Donald, count to 10. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. A narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. It's not just the ferocious rhetoric that's getting people down. Stir in a flawed primary system and limited choice at the polling booth and it's not clear how many voters will show up in November. It's a problem idealistic civic techies are working hard to fix. I caught up with some of them at the American Experiment Show. So I'm Nick Triano, politics manager with Change Politics. We're helping people prepare to vote for election day by giving them a personalized ballot guide so they can see who's on their ballot and get voting advice from their social network. I see you've got an iPad here. Could you just show me how it works? Yep. So if you go to changepolitics.org, on the homepage here, you can type in your address, then press Get Your Ballot. We'll then give you all the candidates will be on your ballot, from president all the way down to a local level. You can endorse candidates who you plan to support, and you can browse endorsements from people already on the platform, including people whom you may know and trust. And then once you browse the endorsements, you can make a decision and, and click support if I want to support one of the candidates and I can enter my own reason and then I can share that with my social network and encourage them to do the same. And the goal is before election day to have completed your whole ballot so you can bring it with you right to the polls when you go and vote. Is there a risk this could either corrupt voting or make people lazy because well I don't need to make up my own mind I can just see what everyone else is doing and follow the crowd. Well we have to compare it to what happens now which is we have extremely low rates of voter participation we have people going into the voting booth who tell me when I interview them I'll do eeny meeny miny mo or I'll leave it blank or maybe if I saw their name on a yard sign so we think this is a vast improvement over what currently happens which is basically people who have enough money to buy big enough megaphones uh, have enough sway in elections. I'm Michelle Whitaker. I'm with Fair Vote. Fair Vote advocates for structural reform changes to our election system so that voters have a stronger voice in, in their elections and that their voice is really respected and heard. And in particular, we're focused on one reform called ranked choice voting, which gives voters the freedom to rank their candidates instead of being limited, limited to just one choice. 
voters are more empowered in terms of having the freedom to rank their candidates. Campaigns in the past, they just look at their base, and that's all the people that they're going after. With ranked choice voting, you're trying to get people's first and second choices. Voters find the campaigns to be more civil. They understand the ballot and find it easy to use, and that campaigns are less negative because they're not talking bad about their opponents because campaigns recognize that if they do that, they're losing voters, not gaining voters. The system that you're trying to reform is a very old, long-established system. Is it a little idealistic or high in the sky to be trying to change this? Not at all, not at all. American democracy has been uh, developing and growing for 240 years. It's not something that's impossible because we know that it's proven to work in cities across the country. We know there are several states that are using this for runoff elections within the South, like South Carolina, Alabama. They know it works and voters have liked this and embraced the system. I'm Damola Ogundepe and I represent Civic Eagle. We're a Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota-based civic technology startup. So we're trying to help solve the problem of low voter turnout and civic engagement. The platform that we're demonstrating today is our social network for the public. Um, it's an issue-based social network that focuses around video debating. So you can actually go on and debate on social and civic issues that you care about through video and through text with people from around the entire country. One of the first things that you do when you first log into the platform is select the issues that you care about. And we have about 35 different issues um, that associate with the federal and the local levels of government. So for example, the first one that I see right now is the legalization of marijuana. If I click on that as an issue, I'll see what people are saying and discussing about that issue. And I can go in and have my voice be heard either through video or through text on that issue in general or on what somebody else has debated on that issue. How do you think this is going to really get people to participate more? I mean, it might get people talking more online, but is it really going to get them to the ballot box? Yeah, so what we figured out during a lot of research and discovery is that people don't want to um, participate from a political perspective. But what they do want to participate on are issues that they care about. So as long as we remove the politics in which we've done from our platform, people will participate on fun issues, on social issues. The politics come, comes on the back end. We do that work, that data, that information for the user, and all the user has to do is go on and have fun. We're based in St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, but I was in London for holiday, as you all put it, and flew in straight here um, last night. Goodness me, so you must be a little bit tired. What made you get on that plane to get here this morning? Um, one of the things that I, that I love is when civic technology companies come together it's really cool being around those like-minded people um, that are trying to solve those same sorts of problems. So for me, uh, there's not that many opportunities for us um, as a civic technology company to come together with like-minded people. So when that opportunity comes up, you have to be there. Um, so we're very blessed and honored to, to, to have that invitation to come and participate so we can pass it up. It's good to have you here. There's certainly a lot of energy in the room, isn't Definitely. there? Definitely. That's what's keeping me awake right now. Good job. Go and get yourself some coffee over there. <laughs> All right. All right nice meeting you. Thank nice you. American Experiments is the brainchild of the Committee of 70 and Philly's Science Center, powered by Microsoft and the Knight Foundation. This energetic event brings together young political reformers and civic tech entrepreneurs to mingle and pitch their ideas. My name is Jesse Thomas, I'm the VP of Product at Crowdback. 
So we're talking about uh, the future, 2024. What's going to happen? How is our product going to help improve democracy? 33% of all state offices were unopposed in 2012. That's kind of a crazy number. What are we doing about that? So we've developed a few products, uh, mostly focusing on crowdfunding campaigns, getting people engaged, lowering the barriers of entry to participating in elections. So there are a couple of things that you can do that are unique with CrowdPack. You can ask your friends and your network to pledge to support your run for office, be it for school board, be it for state rep, be it for mayor, and they will only be charged should you build the support and formally declare. Next up, democracy works. Today, only about 75% of eligible Americans are even registered. Only about 60% take part in presidential races, 40% in midterms, and you don't want to ask about local elections. It's almost uniformly dismal. Democracy works when more people participate. We can build a democracy that looks more like us. We can build a democracy that includes 80% voter participation. All that's left me dewy-eyed and dreaming of a better future. A future featuring the big editorial brains of Chris Sartulo. Take it away, Chris. Thanks, Sophie. You know, the American Experiments event was itself an experiment. We were testing the idea of whether, first, civic tech and election reform organizations from around the country would really want to gather in Philadelphia to show off their wares. Turns out they did. We had more than 20 sign up to take part. And then that morning, when we threw open the doors to the Science Center, would anybody come? The answer was yes, in a steady and enthusiastic and noisy stream. We stood there and watched literally hundreds of voters come in and talk to people who wanted to make elections work better and democracy be more meaningful for them. And the event concluded with our Microsoft Challenge pitch session, where six of those organizations got up on a stage and presented in rapid-fire form their ideas for fixing American democracy by the year 2024. Hey Chris, David Thornburg here taking the baton from you. That really was a great event, just an incredible amount of energy. Now we've got in the studio with us Catherine Peters, co-founder and chief operating officer of Democracy Works, one of the winners of the American Experiments Challenge. Later, we'll also hear from Adam Ambrosi of the Washington-based Democracy Fund, one of the judges who picked Democracy Works and CrowdPack as the winners of the American Experiments Challenge. So let's get to it. Mother Jones put out the call. So joining us now is uh, Catherine Peters, who is co-founder and chief operating officer of Democracy Works, uh, located in Brooklyn. And uh, Catherine was one of the uh, co-winners of this inaugural American Experiments Challenge. So congratulations. Thank uh, you Catherine. very much. Tell us a little bit about your work and the impact that you're having on the, on the democratic process. American democracy has a participation problem. And when you survey turnout in parliamentary level elections around the world, regardless of how democratic the country otherwise is, the United States comes in 138th below a number of countries which we wouldn't call properly democratic. For us to have a government that really represents the people, we need elections that also involve more of us. So Democracy Works builds tools that make it simpler to participate. We focus on process issues. We build a website called TurboVote. 
that helps people get registered, keep track of all of their elections, know when they're happening, decide how they're going to vote, find their polling place, or request their absentee ballot as need be, and keeps them engaged and involved from election to election. And, and what kind of results do you do you see from, from TurboVote? Does it really seem that making the process more efficient really does remove significant barriers to uh, participation? Absolutely. Of the voters who we registered to vote on TurboVote in 2012, we saw that 75% of the first-time registrants actually turned out and cast ballots in that presidential election, as did 80% of the people who were updating an existing voter registration, say, after a move. That's compared to national turnout that I believe was something like 57% of eligible voters. I like to look as a parallel in this cycle to the presidential election of 1888. Oh, which, I remember that. Yeah. We also had a very vigorous debate about free trade versus protectionism. It, it in many ways, featured uh, a debate that looked in some fashions like 2016, but it saw 81% of eligible Americans turn out. It was vigorous, and I actually do think that we can get back there. And so one of the things that we've declared this year is a TurboVote challenge dedicated to returning to 80% as the threshold of what really healthy, engaged participation could look like. Since last August, Pennsylvania joined the ranks of states that have gone online in voter registration. I think we are there are about 27 states now that, that uh, let you do that online. Does that put TurboVote out of business, or does that open up new possibilities for you, or how does that work? First, congratulations. I know Pennsylvania you so put a lot of work into it, and it's a beautiful site. It doesn't put us out of business. It does make the process much friendlier. Online voter registration takes that air gap away, and I think makes it better for us because we're still there to provide reminders. We're still there to help them think about how they're going to vote. We can still provide a lot of additional services. And online voter registration simply increases the impact that we're able to have by giving us another online process to integrate with. It's a huge leap forward. Next year in Philadelphia and a lot of other places, we then go to what we're calling off-year elections. We'll be lucky if we get to 10, 15 percent. So What's the kind of Democracy Works take on how to drive more participation in strictly local elections? That's absolutely why we build the election reminders that we build. TurboVote gets most of our new users in presidential cycles. When people are thinking about it, what we're able to do then is keep their address, look up their jurisdiction. So what city council district are you in? What school board governs where you live? And then can come back in 2017 and 2018 and say, by the way, did you know that your school board is up for election and are you ready for that? And when we're able to then send them a list of what's going to be on the ballot and potentially a voter guide, that leaves them going from potentially not even knowing that it is happening to being aware, being able to get informed and turning out. And I think that's where we can have our largest impact so we've been talking with Catherine Peters, co-founder and chief operating officer of Democracy Works, and also co-winner of the inaugural American Experiments Challenge. Catherine, thanks for being here, and thanks for your good work. Thanks so much for hosting. Joining us now is Adam Ambrosi from the Democracy Fund. Welcome, Adam. Thanks so much, Chris. And the 
first question is, what do you do with the Democracy Fund? I run the uh, elections program. I'm the director of the elections program at the Democracy Fund uh, in Washington, D.C. We were uh, created a few years ago by uh, Piero Midiar, the uh, co-founder of eBay. The goal is to try to work on things that make democracy uh, work better. As I mentioned, I run the program on elections, and that means both campaign finance and election administration, working on things that make long lines better and improve the quality of uh, voter registration in the United States. There are two other programs that we have at Democracy Fund. One is the uh, Public Square, which is trying to improve the quality and engagement of, of local journalism. And then the uh, the third program that we have is our governance program, and that's uh, focused on uh, making Congress work better. Now, in your program, you mentioned long lines, so you look at things that have to do with the conduct of democracy. Do you also look at the setup of elections, campaign finance, any of those other factors? Yeah, we really are trying to figure out on the the money and politics side of our work how to how to support organizations that are looking to reduce the influence of money in our politics. And uh, obviously, in a post Citizens United world, there are a lot of challenges with that because there are areas of of law that you just can't touch given the the court's jurisprudence. Citizens United being the Supreme Court decision that sort of opened up the door for a lot of different forms of corporate funding and other right. kinds of funding. That's right. I think that for some of these problems to be solved in a sustainable way, you can't do it in a method that one side abhors. You've got to figure out ways to to either solve the problem such that both of the, the ethics behind the concern from both sides of the aisle are solved in some way or figure out some compromise that really uh, addresses these problems and, and fixes them, but in a way that won't get overturned if the government flips in uh, in the next election, because then you're, you're fighting over the state of process, quite frankly, with these issues of how the government is run and how elections are run. Stasis at times can be a good thing if you're starting from a good policy. Adam, uh, as you and I walked around the room today and looked at all the different displays from the different civic tech and uh, election reform groups, the cynical journalist in me is saying, what else? Democracy is a lot deeper than any one app can fix. And in that world of civic tech, do we need maybe a little more emphasis on the civic and maybe a little less trust in the tech? You're right in that just applying the technology to some of these problems is not going to fix some of the deep divisions that we have within this country. It's not going to be able to uh, make Congress by itself work better. But what what it does have is the ability to reach people and the ability to find out what drives people. If there are ways to fix some of the, the administration of elections and combine that with exciting candidates, parties that engage and respond to the people, the, you know, the civic and party type of it, I, I think that the potential for engaging a lot more folks from different communities is great. So very exciting. That's Adam Ambrosi from the Democracy Fund. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, Adam. Thanks so much for the opportunity. This is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Steve Tang, who is CEO of the University City Science Center here, our partner on American Experiments, and full disclosure, the chair of the board of the Committee of 70. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, David. Delighted to be here in both roles. Just set the stage for us a little bit about where you are with the Science Center. I think a lot of folks know of your significant role in the entrepreneurial economy. Uh, but w what interested the Science Center about this American Experiments event? Because it's, it's a little bit different. Certainly. Uh, the Science Center for the last 53 years has been an innovation and entrepreneurship hub 
for Greater Philadelphia. We are, of course, located in University City. And uh, we develop programs and we develop places for innovators and entrepreneurs to develop community uh, and help entrepreneurs commercialize their technology. So this uh, effort that we put into, along with the Committee 70, to develop and produce the American experiments, I think, was uh, right down our alley. Uh, we are about finding new ideas and breathing commercial life into them so that they can flourish in the marketplace uh, all by themselves. We had an interesting mix of nonprofit organizations and some for-profit companies at American Experiments, all pitching their ideas about how they can improve democracy. Um, I'm just sort of interested in your general impressions of the kinds of ideas they brought to the table. I was really blown away by the diversity of companies and the locations of the companies, um, all coming to Philadelphia uh, with great enthusiasm uh, for their products and ideas. And these were a variety of companies based on voter information to voter engagement to civic engagement to disruptive efforts like uh, trying to push forward redistricting in key places. Um, it was just a, a wonderful experience uh, in diversity of thought and, and ideas in exchange. Let's cut to the heart of the challenge. You've had a lot of experience in building companies and growing companies, getting them to the, uh, a, a certain scale and an impact. These folks have their work cut out for them. Am I right? Well, they do. Um, startups typically fail, um, and uh, startups in the civic entrepreneurship area are pioneers, literally pioneers in what they're trying to do, which is bring technology together with civic engagement and innovation. So this is a grand experiment in itself. Now, having said that, because these companies come from both uh, for-profit and non-profit persuasions, their funding uh, opportunities are, are very diverse. So they can have traditional angel and venture funding. But the nonprofits also have the opportunity to become B corporations uh, or to be funded by what is becoming increasingly popular, the area of impact investing. So uh, I actually think that they, we had a moment in time to see uh, these companies in a very early stage, and I think if we look back on them in four or eight years, uh, some of them will have broken through to be very successful. So what are the two or three things that the successful ones will have to execute in order to achieve, again, a, a level of scale and impact that would make this experiment worthwhile? Certainly. Uh, in that respect, they're no different than commercial startup companies, which is they've got to prove their value in the marketplace and get paid for it. Uh, that sounds like an innocent statement, but it's, it's, it's where companies either live or die. There's that great line, no margin, no mission. Uh, and that's what these folks are going to struggle with. Um, there's something different about these experiments, these uh, startups, in that they're operating in the political space and maybe sometimes might be at odds. Uh, you know, they're trying to disrupt a highly competitive win-or-lose kind of situation. So what strikes you as being different about, about that context? Well, David, you and I are passionate about competitive elections and getting more, more voters out and getting them better educated. So those are fairly diffuse business issues to try to solve. So they do have their work cut out for them. They also have the incumbent parties who may not uh, may not want to work directly with them because they're working at counter purposes to the two-party system. So they are market disruptors in many ways. But I think uh, given the complexion of the uh, election race for president this year, uh, we may have a moment where the citizenry really rises up and embraces these kinds of ideas. Great. Thanks, Steve, for being with us today. My pleasure, David. Okay, now we're in the home stretch of 
this episode of 20 by 70. And in a moment, we'll conclude, as we always do, with some words of wisdom and exhortation from the CEO of the Committee of 70, David Thornburg. But first, some important thanks. Thanks, as always, to the Annenberg Public Policy Center for hosting the podcast in studio. And as always, thanks to our great engineer, Jeremy Quattleba. Thanks to our intrepid producer, Sophie Reed, who was everywhere and every place during the American Experiments event, capturing the feel and the sound and the energy of what went on there that day. And now, here it is from David Thornburg, your moment of city zen. President Barack Obama and I are pretty much on the same page. Well, not that we chat much, but we both like to remind ourselves and others that this crazy, chaotic, infuriating democracy thing we've been messing with for almost 250 years is at heart one big ongoing experiment. In 1776, we started with a working hypothesis that self-government, government of and by the people, is in fact the best way to secure the benefits of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. After that, and ever since, we keep experimenting, innovating, and improving. Sometimes the experiments are epic, ending slavery, allowing women to vote. Sometimes they seem a little misplaced. Remember prohibition? By endlessly tweaking, testing, pushing, and prodding, we learn a little, we fix, we fail, we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, all in pursuit of a more perfect union. That, of course, was the spirit behind the American Experiments event 70 and the Science Center ran during the DNC week in Philadelphia. And the experience was amazing. Seeing so many innovative approaches gave me a new sense of confidence in the American passion to make this thing work better, even amidst the often dismal and dispiriting world of electoral politics. So who's to run these experiments? The recruits don't come from the political process itself. As Sasha Eisenberg points out brilliantly in his book Victory Lab, candidates and parties aim to win elections, not improve the process. They only care about higher voter turnout or more informed and engaged voters or more and better candidates if that helps secure their victory. Instead, if we want better elections and more engaged voters, we're counting on an army of passionate civic entrepreneurs, like those gathered around 70's table and certainly at the American Experiments and event. It's not unlike the Colonials taking on the British circa 1777. And that turned out pretty well, didn't it? Thanks for listening to 20 by 70, our own little American experiment, as we continue our journey to figure out how to make democracy work better in our fair city of Philadelphia. Follow us on Twitter at, at Committee of 70 and check with us next time on 20 by 70.